taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Yo, what's up, City Point? Hey, I wanted to check in real quick. Uh, we're about to go into uh, today's discussion uh, between myself and Dr. Gina A.S. Robinson uh, on today's topic, bodies. And I just wanted to do a little setup before we get into it. So a few things I want to talk about. One is provide you guys with um, what we mean by uh, bodies, like in terms of like how we're going to talk about it today. So of course, Bodies is one of the tracks from the album. And uh, today we're really going to look at Bodies, thinking about it as like the expansion of the meaning or connotation of Bodies. Also thinking about how we view our bodies. And we also want to talk about how we make choices with our bodies. Um, some of the objectives for today is I want you guys to be able to leave this describing, being able to describe why our bodies are to be loved and not despised. Um, I also want us to be able to describe what it looks like to make healthy choices with our bodies. Um, thirdly, I want us to be able to make the connection between the pleasure that our bodies are able to experience and the God who made them that way. So uh, those are some of the objectives. And let me also just step back and say, for, for those that, you know, this just might feel a little different, right? I'm I'm in church, but we are centering a discussion on an album, not centering it on the Bible. And I just want to provide some clarity or context behind what we're doing. So yeah, last week, as well as this week and the next two weeks, you will see us centering uh, Jasmine Sullivan's album, Hotels, um, for our series. And we're, we're basically using that album as like a jumping off point or a springboard because of her vulnerability to enable us to engage in a conversation that has theological implications, right? So while we're centering that text, we're leveraging it again for the sake of conversation to be had so that we can in turn um, respond theologically in terms of how one ought to show up in terms of like thinking about ourselves in better ways, engaging in be engaging better in our relationships with one another. So it's a different way to get at it, but I, I just want to make sure that everybody's clear on why we're approaching it that way. Um, scripture does not address everything. And I think we can, we can be honest about that. And, and we all pretty much live our lives that way. And so when it comes to certain things that we're trying to navigate in life, while we may not be able to find a particular scripture that speaks to that thing that we're navigating, what we can do is speak to other Christians or leverage scripture um, to provide for us a Christian or a theological ethic that will help us understand how we might better navigate a particular situation. And so that's what we'll be doing um, throughout these next few weeks. We will be um, leveraging the album to draw out issues, questions, dialogue, those things, so that we may be able to 
identify how we might be able to um, apply our Christian, our biblical ethics toward um, a response to those particular issues that we face in life. So that's what's going to be going on. Last thing I want to do is share with you a few scriptures that um, that I'm kind of leveraging to, to kind of um, provide questions that I think are meaningful for this conversation. The first one is Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 19 from the New Living uh, Translation. It's about Jesus um, um, kind of with this first act that then becomes what we do in terms of communion. It says he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take note. He says, this is my body. Um, um, in, um, in John 20 and 26 through 27, um, it says a week later, his disciples talking about Jesus were in the house again. And Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So here Jesus is vulnerable with this broken and disfigured body. Uh, and then two more verses, uh, Genesis chapter two, two, verse 25 says, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame again about bodies. Uh, and then the last one is Psalm 139 and 14. I read this to you guys last week. It says uh, in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So I'm looking forward to, and I'll bring this up. I bring this up a little later on in our discussion. I bring these passages of scripture up. I'm looking uh, for us to leverage them to help us think critically about the ways in which we think about our bodies, whether our bodies are beautiful, if they are acceptable, how we engage in shame and should not be engaging in shame with regard to our bodies, um, and how our bodies are naturally good and created by God useful to God in any state that they are in. So with that, let's jump into this discussion and I'll get out of the way. All right. What's up, City Point? So we are back for week two. So we have with us again, Dr. Gina A.S. Robinson, uh, who was with us on last week. And then many of you saw her on clips on social. She's back with us again. And this week we're going to be talking about bodies. Um, bodies is the first track on the hotels album and it very much sets the tone for like what this album is going to be about and so as we were just imagining imagining what uh, what uh, tracks we would engage with uh, we definitely wanted to hit this one because it gets into some themes so um, I'm going to open us up in some prayer and then we're going to jump right into the discussion this is pre-recorded um, the remainder of the Sundays, the plan is for us to actually be live. Um, but this one is pre-recorded, but you guys can still jump in the chat. You can share some thoughts, questions and things like that. And then I, along with others, will be able to respond in the chat um, as best we can with those questions. But definitely the intent is for us to still uh, engage in dialogue with this one. All right. So I'm going to open us up in prayer and then we're going to jump right in. 
Lord, we thank you for giving us a chance to come together. We thank you for giving us uh, giving us the space to delve into this topic of, of sexuality, of relationships, and especially today, our bodies. I pray that you will just speak through me, speak through uh, Dr. Gina uh, today, uh, just in ways that are impactful uh, to us, your people. And I pray, God, that you will make this meaningful time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to kick this off just like I kicked off last week. Or let me let me actually let me give this disclaimer first. The goal of this entire series, I think, can be like summed up, y'all, in 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 Lovey's book, Do Better. Right. That is what I am hoping to come out of this entire series It's just improving the way that we engage with one another with regard to relationships. Um, and that's one of the key central themes that I pull out of the album. Um, but recognizing that there is work that needs to happen on ourselves and then work that needs to happen with each other in order for us to do better, right? So it's how we think about things ourselves and it's also how the other partner thinks about things. So um, today we're gonna talk bodies. I'm gonna kick off with the same question that I led off with on Sunday is when you first heard bodies, what were you thinking? Did it hit for you? And if so, why did it hit for you? Yes. So when I first heard Bodies, as you said, it is the intro to the album. It let me know right off bat what direction we were going in. This I knew that Jasmine Sullivan was going to be doing some truth telling, some storytelling. Um, and she was going to be talking about some real topics. So when I heard Bodies, like I was like, OK, this may not be my personal story, but it is definitely the story of some of my friends, like that's some of the things that I was hearing as it was resonating with people. Um, but more importantly, as I listened to the authenticity within the story, I really heard the voice of a woman who had been making some choices that she was just trying to figure out, like, does this really align with what I actually want to be doing with my body? Um, is this the way I want to be engaging in relationships with people? What am I getting out of this? Like it's to a point in which she is losing, losing count. She doesn't even know if this person meets the quality or the standard that she may have for herself or had for herself. So it seems like a sense of a loss of control in a sense. Um, not that one has to be in control all the time, but I think she was calling herself out on that, right? She was beyond her comfort zone of uh, play. So I was thinking like, wow, this woman is being truthful with herself, right? Um, as she is telling the story of her experiences with other human beings and the ways in which she's been engaging with them in um, whatever sexual activity it was. So I was like, okay, we're going there immediately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought a similar thing. I think for me, from a, um, from a male perspective, I also thought about like the double standard, right? Like, I don't know that I have ever heard like a friend whether we're talking about now or back in the day, ever say like, I'm piling up too many bodies. My my body count is just is just too high. If anything, it is a notch on the belt. It is a um, it is a badge. It is a gold star to pile up bodies as a guy. And so 
I, I begin to think think about the double standard, right? I, I And I, I agree with Jasmine here. Like, it is reckless. It is dangerous. It is all of those things. I, I agree with it. Um, but, yeah, I also thought about that double standard piece as well. Um, I love the fact that she engages in, like, this self-accountability. Mm-hmm. I also feel I also wonder if there's a connection between say bodies and some of the other stuff we hear in the album right like so on the original hotels it was bodies is number one a girl like me is is the last uh track on the album right so if you listen to it in loop it's a girl like me and then bodies, right? And so I, I wonder if those two things are connected to each other and very much like this refrain of you're going to make a hoe out of me, right? Of having loved, having lost in love um, now makes one kind of like Issa did in um, in Insecure, like makes one go on rotation and engage in very reckless behavior in that rebound space, right? And I'm sure... A lot of people can identify with like sometimes the reckless things we do when we are in that rebound space. So I like I made that connection, too. And um, yeah, just wondered if that was a connection that other folks were making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that you bring up the fact that if you listen to the album in loop, it does sort of create a full circle moment, if you will. Um, And it also highlights how one can get caught up in cycles as the young woman saying last Sunday um, and how it can be a cycle of you're the good girl who's done wrong. So you decide to be the bad girl, quote unquote, bad girl. And then you begin to engage in behaviors that are also not fulfilling, right? You're still not getting what you want out of relationships, um, whether it be dating relationships or more committed romantic relationships, one is not making the progress that, um, at least if you listen to the story as a whole, that they seem to be seeking. Um, So to me, it speaks to what happens when we don't stick with what we know best to be true for Mm ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We may do the things that someone has done to us in hope that that brings some sort of solace or some sort of even maybe even revenge or vengeance um, as if it will make us feel better. But my question to people who may endeavor in those ways, and I can't say that I have not, there definitely have been moments in which I have, like, are you actually moving toward your goals, right? So it comes back to this question of what are your relational goals and how does the way you view your body the way you engage your body with others, how does that help you actualize what those goals are? That's good. That's good. You got me thinking about how we can how, how we can tend to weaponize our bodies, right? To to kind of continue this 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 dialogue about bodies, weaponize our bodies in ways that allow us to like passive aggressively fight against people who aren't even in the room, right? Um, in some cases, like our bodies become proxies for 
other wars that are being fought, whether it is a war with another person, a war with ourself in our mind, like our bodies end up being like the proxy battleground for that war. So it can even be outside of sex. It can be how one might damage their bodies through overeating or through eating the wrong things because of the way I feel about myself or feel about a certain situation. So the way to deal with it or the way to fight is to do damage to my body or it is, I'm just going to smoke this weed up all weekend, right? Because of something not going the way that it, that it should be going or some challenge that I'm facing in life. So I'm going to do these things to damage my body. We get escalated into other drugs, be they, le be they legal or non-legal. Um, heroin, cocaine, we talk about prescription drug abuse. Um, uh, alcohol, we can talk about um, all those things, right? Ways, including sex, right? Sex can end up being a way that we leverage our bodies to fight against somebody that's not even in the room. And not even the partner that we're having sex with. It is our way of getting back at somebody else. Oh, he did X. So I'm going to smash this person. Or, oh, she did X. That's fine. She disrespected me. It's all good. I'm going to go smash what you call it. it. It is these ways that we, again, use our bodies as, as unhealthy battlegrounds. And I think in ways that disrespect our bodies. Absolutely. And... Thinking about how even our pursuit for what might in the moment feel like pleasure, I think is such a shallow um, idea of what pleasure is and can be, right? I believe that God blessed us with our bodies um, so that we might experience pleasure. Like that is not something that ought to be separated from God and from God um, saying that our bodies are good. I truly believe that, that that pleasure is a gift to us from God and something that we must also understand and know how to how to manage and how to engage in in such a way that it's not it doesn't become an overindulgence and it doesn't become damaging to who we are. Um, and also, I think we can eclipse pleasure by utilizing our bodies or weaponizing our bodies in ways when we are seeking. Um, we talked about like revenge and we talked about vengeance, but also when we're seeking acceptance. Right. When we're trying to create a space of self-love. So we seek love through other people. I believe some of the um, the interludes kind of speak to that as well on the hotels album. And I think that that's also damaging to like our core self and who we are and the self that God wants us to love and wants us to be able to be in love with. Right. And the part of us that. I would hope as we um, establish, create, uh, recreate, revise relational goals, I believe like that core self is the part of us that we seek to share with others. Yeah, yeah. I, what you just said just brought up something for me. And I, I think this is good because it loops in the married folks as well, right? The ways in which we weaponize our bodies and use them as tools of manipulation to get the things that we want, right? So you, so you just like, it felt like you were about to bring in Donna's tale 
um, a moment ago, right? When Donna talks about like everybody tricks, leverages their body, their sexuality, their cookie, whatever, in order to get what they want. And she, you know, that that's interlude with the with the Hammond B3 organ behind it. And very much like she is preaching, she is telling the truth in that moment. And I think it is a reflection moment. I think for a lot of us who are, um, who have used our bodies in that way, um, leveraging them, weaponizing them to manipulate, whether it is in so-called positive ways to get the things that we want, to get the things that we need, um, or in negative ways that um, push people to give us the things we want or need, but in very selfish ways um, and in ways that are simply manipulating the other person, right? Donna's tale hits that, um, um, put it down, hits on that, right? Like, I know he lives with his mama, um, you know what I'm saying? Like she says, I, I can't explain what it is that he does to me. Um, that's why he stays on my mind. Something, something, something like it's the D like, because of that, like I'm willing to do all of these things because of, um, what I receive, um, sexually. And I, I think that's a danger zone. I think, I think couples really have to just pause for a minute and folks need to reflect on how they, are showing up in the relationships with people that they love, like if they are weaponizing, using their bodies in those kinds of ways to manipulate people that we love. I'm going to withhold so I can get what I want, or I'm going to give so I can get what I want. I, I think that's dangerous. It's a dangerous way to use one's body. Absolutely. It is dangerous. And I think that this is a good point to kind of talk about um, one, utilizing agency and what it means to have agency over your body. I am all for uh, people having agency over their bodies, especially women. However, with agency comes responsibility. Um, so we also must be thoughtful about the people who we are engaging with, right? What's our intention behind us um, using our bodies, if you will, or us um, offering our bodies to someone else and engaging with them um, in whatever activity that you are interested in doing. So like, I think intention is also a part of the conversation, agency and intention, because if we have ill intentions, then, you know, it, it makes us wonder about what really is at the core of our relationship. You know, what is at the foundation of that relationship? Is manipulation a way in which you ultimately communicate? Because sex is a way of communicating with people. Um, so is it is it that you're going to use your body, right? Or are you offering um, your body? Are you, um, you know, there's just so many other words to use. But if you're thinking about using your body as a tool, then it just makes me wonder, you know, more about the relationship and how the relationship has taken shape because the body has been used as a tool to manipulate, to convince, to persuade, to control, to be controlled, um, whatever it is that one may be getting out of that exchange that actually isn't that healthy, right? And the reality is there are other ways, right? What, why have manipulation at the center 
when pleasure can be at the center and it can be the pleasure of both humans, right? I believe that God is pleased by us centering um, not ourself, right? The selfishness of oneself. But if you're in relationship with someone and you are at a point in which you are sharing your body with them, then can you meet in the middle and find ways to compromise so that pleasure is at the center and you use sex, sexuality as a way to connect and not a way to control? Yeah, yeah. You make me think about what I have heard from plenty of homies who are single or like were single and are now married. And it is how sex was used as a tool to convince during the dating phase. And when they got married, all of a sudden, like this very like hot and heavy, like always ready girlfriend that they once knew is now just gone. Like, who is this woman that I brought home from from the wedding? Because this ain't the person um, that that I used to date. And it very much feels bait and switchy. Um, um as, as my old pastor would say, if you can't say amen, guys, just say, um, um, just give a, just give like a, a, a an eye wink um, to, to, to let me know you with us. But like, again, like guys feeling like they had been baited and switched into marriage and women on the flip side, feeling like they are being their authentic self now in marriage. The question is, who was that person? right? Pre-marriage that was ready to go so often that just can't seem to get in the mood nowadays. Um, It's strange. And and I think we, I think, you know, if we were to be honest about it, we probably go back into that space of manipulation. And I wonder if it's the, if if it's a situation that you can, that a person can train themselves to associate sex with getting what they want so much that it totally disconnects it from pleasure and intimacy and all of those things because that's how I've trained myself to think about it. And again, I think it's a, to your point, it's a dangerous way to engage our bodies. Yeah, I am an unmarried woman, but just hearing you speak about um, the conversations that married men have shared with you it makes me wonder, you know, what may that that woman, the wife now who was a girlfriend, what was she thinking at the time? I wonder if she thought she had to do that to keep her man. Um, I wonder if she knew that if she wasn't more of her authentic self, right? The woman who is a little less willing to give up and who knows what other dynamics have changed in the relationship. If she now has children, if she's changed career, if she's now taking care of a household, like I imagine things can change once you get married. If you, it just depends what that transition looks like. But if that dating phase was unlike now the marriage situation, I wonder, you know, if she knew that if she did not do certain things, her man could move on. Um, And now that she's married, maybe there there was a change, right? So I would ask more questions, right? Mm-hmm. Of how did we get here, right? And also what conversations were not had during the dating phase so that one did not arrive there 
after saying the I do. Because if they were having honest and authentic conversations about their body as individuals and how they want to engage their bodies as a couple, what is intimacy, right? What is pleasure for them? What is like their goals when it comes to their sex life, right? How often? Where? Like all sorts of questions that people will shy away from because the reality is, I don't think we talk enough about our bodies. And it could be because we are ashamed of our bodies. It could be because we have been taught that our bodies can be tools in relationships. It could be because we have been taught that men receive all the pleasure and women provide it. So I, again, fall at a place in which I would ask both of them questions, right? So that they can maybe find a way to, again, be on the same page. Because I think that would be possible. Um, And more importantly, I think it's possible to start out or figure out if you're on that same page when you're in the dating space. That's good. That's real good. I love that. Um, I need to add that into my premarital counseling conversation, like these aspects regard these questions regarding sex. And they don't need to tell me, but they need to have the conversation with each other, like around expectations regarding sex, right? Brother might be thinking once a day. Sister might be thinking twice a month. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. I was, um, so Kev on stage had this post on, on his IG. I believe it was like yesterday, or at least it was yesterday that I saw it. And it was like the spreadsheet that this guy had kept. Um, of it, it had like days of the week uh, or no dates. Um, whether or not she turned him down or said yes and what her excuse was. And it, it like cataloged for like multiple months. I don't know what he, what the guy had planned to do with this. Was he taking it to counseling, to court? I don't know. I don't know. But um, I, I think couples need to have that conversation pre-marriage because that, that can cause a lot of problems. You know what I'm saying? A brother's A brother signed up thinking it was going to be this. And now, like, all the time, I'm setting up my expectations and I'm contorting myself trying to figure out like what I need to do different in order to get at that, um, that, that can be frustrating. And that's going to strain on a marriage. That's just talking, that's just keeping it 100. I, I'm going to say everybody here who is, is married to a guy, um, the guy is likely not good with sex a couple times a month, like legit. Legit. And if that is if 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 you've gotten reached the space in your marriage where like that's what it is and he's not saying nothing, it's likely not because he's good with it. It's likely because just he just dealing. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But aggregating all of the information that I hear from guys that I chat with. That that ain't that ain't that ain't sweet. And let me say, let me say also this piece. Um, married guys have these conversations with single friends too, right? And so as single friends hear this information, these are things that de-incentivize them as it relates to like getting married, right? Like, wait a minute. So you're telling me marriage comes with this, 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 this 
and and sexually we talking about um it's only gonna result in x that's 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 tough for the single guy just to keep it 100 it's tough for the single guy to to be excited about uh jumping into that yeah, like one a, a theme that I feel is emerging in our conversation is that of communication, right? Because you talked about the importance of communicating one's expectations to their partner or partners, whatever you do is up to you. Um, but communication is key, right? Not only expectation, but also experiences, right? If there's a sense of trauma there um, and who knows, it could be trauma experienced through the um, their their parents, right? They may have seen when their parents were married, um, this is what the relationship was like or what the relationship turned into. So now there is some hesitancy to engage or maybe there's an expectation that, okay, the man is going to cheat, right? So, I mean, who knows what is floating around in people's brains until they communicate with one another. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's so important that we begin practicing communication at the dating phase and continue to communicate throughout marriage, right? Because needs change, desires change, bodies change, yeah. right? And I think there is room to talk about that and to talk about what can be tolerated, what will be accepted, right? How has intimacy changed over time? Um, and like, what are your needs today? Because it can change from day to day as well. So I think like the more we practice talking about sex, the more we practice talking about our bodies, the more we accept our bodies as they change and know that the body that we had in our 20s is the same good body that God created then will be the body that God also declares to be good when we're 40, when we're 50, when we're 60, and there's still sexual bodies, um, I think that we'll be better for it relationally. Yeah, that's a good pivot. Can we, I wanna park there for a second and talk about the this point about the body being good. So like in preparation for today, I started thinking about a, a few instances that are are pretty popular in scripture where the body is spoken about right the first one we get in genesis genesis 2 and 25 which says now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame that's like one of the first instances when we're engaged with body and of course not too much later they're experiencing shame re related to their bodies um another place is in John 22, 19. Uh, it says he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. This is talking about Jesus and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, and then the, the last one is uh, John chapter 20, verses 26 through 27. Um, this is also talking about Jesus. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So in the first passage, we have um, we have the Genesis account. They're naked and not ashamed. 
the writer talks about in these last two, we have the com the first communion, if you will, account um, where Jesus is talking about the sacrifice of his body. Right. Like this this body, this thing that we have so-called accepted as evil is the very instrument that is about to be leveraged sacrificially to bring life. Um, that last passage is Jesus after resurrection being vulnerable enough to show the scars, the wounds, right? He's in his resurrected body, but I take note that this disfigured, this disabled, this um, other than normal body um, that Jesus has because of what life and the world and calling and all these things have done to that body um, that Jesus is vulnerable enough to share this body. So I, I was thinking about these passages coming into this conversation and wondering like how they can help us better embrace our bodies, see our bodies as good, as created good, as valuable in whatever state, whatever form, whatever disform they might be in, but they are good, they are useful to God, they are beautiful, they are, as, as the psalmist says, fearfully one and wonderfully made as we think about our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important that we take some time to talk about the goodness of our bodies because there are Again, so many messages that are just taught to us, especially in church, um, that will make our bodies, um, make us feel negatively about our bodies, right? And make us feel negatively about sex. They will shame sex. And then it's, it's some sort of deviant act, right? Which I don't know that I'm convinced God wants us to believe that sex is some deviant act. I think there are ways in which people can engage insects and it can cause harm but again like all of that i don't believe any of that is of god but i do believe that there is um and there are some ideas about sex and about the body that align with this idea of goodness and when god made the body good that that was a part of it it's not outside of it it's not something that we've superimposed upon it it is a part of it. And I hope that through more conversations like this one in the church and beyond the church, we are able to reclaim that goodness um, every day for ourselves, particularly those of us who are believers, whether it's through affirmations, through um, a re revisioning and re-understanding, right? Unlearning certain messages within scripture and then relearning. saying um, is that, you know, your body is good. And like also knowing for sure that the parts of us that society has deemed ugly or that somebody in our family told us was ugly that God loves above anyone else, right? Those scars, um, you know, the parts of us, even internally that we may absolutely hate about ourselves, God still loves us. So if we can lean into that love that God has for us, I believe that 
we can then begin to dig out some of the self-hatred, dig out some of the, the hate that we will then spew and project onto others because we actually don't like ourselves a whole lot, right? Or we can like unchain ourselves from the hinges of these hateful words that people have spoke to us and spoke at us that we have now internalized and then they find ways to show up in our relationships. They find ways to show up in our bedrooms. They find ways to show up in our conversations with ourselves as we drive into work. Like, I think it's time out for that. And it's time in for us to embrace um, messages that bring us closer to, again, like the trueness, the authenticity of our core self. And that core self is good. The body in which we use to get around every day, however it is that you do get around, that body is good. Yeah. Every part of it. Um, so it deserves our love and it deserves to be treated well. It deserves to experience pleasure, right? It's not something we should push away from or shy away from. I think all of that can be done Um in a way that ultimately is pleasing to God. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about things that, to just put it frankly, like things we need to stop doing in religious spaces. Mm -hmm. We need to um, stop policing what girls wear. You know what I'm saying? In some cases, they're 12 years old and they're just trying to dance before the congregation and before the Lord. And they're, you know what I'm saying? That, that's one of the first times that I think they get these not so subtle messages that your body is a problem. Um, these are all the things that you need to have um, covering up and, and pressing down your body, restricting your body in order to be acceptable to dance um, before the church and before the Lord. And I, I think that those are some early, again, early messages, negative messages that girls get. And I think we need to stop doing that. I think we need to stop policing what people wear to church. I think, and you know, we don't do this at our church, but there's still places that do it. Like we need to stop um, telling women that they can't sit on the front row with a skirt or dress um, stop handing out handkerchiefs for women to, to put over their, um, their, their bare knees and, and bare legs. Um, because all these things are communicating that those aspects of you are problematic. And I think we need, I don't not even think we need to push back against that. Um, if my daughter, if Layla, Layla's only six years old right now, but she will start maturing in a few years it happens earlier these days than than it did in years past if she ever comes home and tells me she visited a church and somebody at that church told them that there was something problematic with her body that some skirt needed a a, a, a napkin over it a handkerchief over it i'm calling that past and i'm cussing them out legit um, do not give my daughter those early messages about her body being problematic. Um, so that, yeah, again, there's just certain things that we need to stop doing so that we can begin to embrace the, the beauty and the holiness of our bodies. 
Um, to this point about the shame of the body in whatever shape they're in, I wonder if this loops back to our conversation about sex. Is it that as people change, whether it be age or whatever, that there is a further development of shame regarding one's body? Perhaps there was always shame regarding one's body, but when we were dating, it's a necessary crucible to go through in order to get this other bit of social affirmation through marriage that I'm willing to go through, but really I feel shame, I feel self-conscious, I feel all those things. And I would just rather not have to feel that if I don't have to. And so perhaps the biggest thing that needs to be deconstructed is the issue of shame, right? Maybe it's not sex, it's just the, the shame piece related to bodies that need, needs to be deconstructed. Yeah, I think shame is something that we shy away from. Um, it's it's it can be very much so present, but to name it, I think then requires some hard conversations that people are not ready to have. It's so much easier to dictate to someone what they should and should not do with their body, um, in instead of saying that, you know, there are ways in which you can celebrate your body, right? And it's okay. Right. There's there's just this, particularly in a church space, um, there's like a a lean toward shame of the body. Right. And that has so many roots in um, the ways in which black bodies have been thought about and talked about and messages that have been implanted in our brains since we have like crossed over um, the oceans to come to this place known now as the United States um, and how those have been, those messages have then become um, in some way wrapped up in the message of the gospel, right? Somehow wrapped up in sermons, how they've made their way into churches so that we as black people can feel shame about our body. Um, and about our bodies. So I think it is a, it's, it's, it's so much easier to ignore a conversation on shame than it is to actually have a conversation about celebration of the body. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to end us with this scripture. Uh, you guys heard me reference it earlier. Also read it last um last sunday in service psalm 139 and 14 i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well um i think about also in song of solomon or song of songs how the two of them describe like each other's bodies and it's it's beautiful it's it's erotic it's romantic it's pornographic to be honest and they glory in each other's bodies and so i i think about sometimes the ways in which i receive these messages especially like my early 20s you know 
about they were basically messages centered on how Paul was trying to battle with these pop culture ideals about flesh at the time. And so as a young man, I thought that like my response to a big booty was like, it's the flesh. I need to get this flesh under control, right? This, that, that my response to like, you know what I'm saying, taking Carla out and being sexually attracted to her, that like is the flesh that that needs to get under control. And so I, I constantly had this kind of antagonistic relationship with my body during that time. Like I, I couldn't control it. I couldn't arrest it. When in reality, as I've counseled a member recently, like I understand now as a 40 plus year old man, like my body was doing just what it was designed to do. Exactly what it was designed to do. It, it was designed to be aroused at certain things. And, and those arousals are what ultimately kept me ready for when it was time to make Layla. Like these are just natural ways that our bodies are, are made and are made to respond. And all of that stuff is, is just okay. Um, but it's it took me it took me decades to get to that place. And I'm hoping that it doesn't take others as long to get to a place where we we begin to accept the ways in which God has created and designed our bodies and and love it and embrace it and and embrace the pleasure that God has designed our bodies to be able to um, to experience. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like your body was indicating to you like, OK, I like Carla. Right. So your body was giving you some some good information. And if we ignore that or if we say, oh, no, I'm not supposed to be thinking these things. Let me pray it away. Like, what are we doing? You know, like we 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 are not um, actually listening to ourselves. We're not listening to what our self is, is telling us, like that, that inner voice is telling you and letting you know, right, through your body, which all of it is connected. It's not flesh is separate from the brain or flesh is separate from. No, we are one body and that body is good. Your body is letting you know, like, okay, maybe I need to move it a little closer. Like, you know, I, this feels right. Or maybe your body can tell you this feels wrong. And I think that to deny our body because of the shame that church messaging has at times um, like projected onto us mm -hmm. is to deny that inner voice. And also at times to deny the voice of the Holy Spirit because God can speak to us in some of those ways as well, right? And I also just wanna like highlight the fact that there are also other messages that tell us what we should like and what we should be attracted to. And maybe that's not the case, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to force ourselves to like X when we're actually attracted to Y, you know? And mm -hmm. there's a possibility that you might want to lean closer to Y because that's where your peace is. That's where your true and authentic self is. You may be attracted to X and Y. Who knows? We are not here to judge that, right? And I don't believe that God is necessarily judging that either. Because again, if there's judgment, then there's shame, right? So 
I think it's it's key and important for us to listen to our bodies, right? You just gave us a wonderful example of your body letting you know that you were getting close to a good thing. Yeah, legit, legit. All right, it's been 45 minutes, so we got to stop it there. I feel like we could talk forever about this. Um, guys, I hope this has been um, has been beneficial. I hope it's been a helpful conversation. Looking forward to continuing this uh, next week when we will pick up the conversation about soft life. Uh, so Jasmine talks about that in her album uh, through songs like Price Tag and The Other Side. So looking forward to engaging that conversation uh, next week. And um, we're going to let uh, Dr. Gina go. Y'all give her some love in the chat. Tell her how much we appreciate her uh, doing this again for us. Gina, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, City Point Community Church, for your warm hospitality. I will be back. Cool. All right. Take care. Yo, perhaps you are here. You have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is the perfect, perfect day to do it. It's simply accepting that on your best day, just like me, you come up short and you're in need of a Savior just like I am. If you're accepting Jesus Christ for the first time, I invite you to follow the directions on the screen and a member from our team will follow up with you. Uh, you can also go to our website, citypointcc.org, um, and on the membership uh, uh, page, you can also fill out information to um, let us know you're accepting Jesus Christ. Also, if you desire membership, if you are looking to become a part of this tribe called City Point, you are perhaps one of those people that are just out there doing church in the wild. I invite you. I would love to be your pastor, uh, no matter where you are on the globe. And City Point would love to be your church family. And so if you're looking to do that, I invite you to follow the directions on the screen. And then also you can go to our website, citypointcc.org, and fill out the form on the membership page. And either way you do it, a member from our team will follow up. And then uh, thirdly and finally, if you desire prayer about anything, uh, you can uh, follow the directions on the screen and a member from our team will let you know that we are standing in the gap praying for you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for we thank you for the gift of just being able to pray for each other. We thank you that you are still bringing people into the body of Christ. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Y'all want to share a few announcements with you guys before we close out. Number one, thank you guys so much for uh, supporting the Community Fund Capital Campaign. Um, we, excuse me, the Community Fund uh, Campaign. Um, we have been fundraising for the past several months and uh, the fundraiser is going well, but we are behind our benchmarks. And so our goal is 45,000 by Easter Sunday. And uh, in order to hit that, we're going to need your support. So ask that you would uh, just pray about ways that you can be gener generous toward um, the community fund. The directions are on the screen of various ways that you can give. You can give through text to give. Just text any dollar amount followed by the word community fund, community fund, all one word. Um, and that money will be designated toward the community fund. Um, you can also do it through Zelle, um, give at citypointcc.org. You can donate stock through stockdonator.com. Just search for City Point there. Uh, and you can also give through our website. And so we've got plenty of ways for you to give. And this community fund, for those that don't know, this goes toward our benevolence efforts to support members, as well as it is helping supplement 
the funds that we need. Some of them we're, we're redirecting from our operate general operating budget. But these will be funds, $75,000 worth that we are using to help members pay off debt in 2023. And so this 45,000 is going with another 55,000 that we are um, moving from our general operating account to equal 100,000. And so the way that 100,000 breaks down is 75,000 will be used for cooperative economics to help people pay down debt and then 25,000 for benevolence. So it's really critical that we raise this 45,000 so that we meet our goals and be able to do what we wanna do with the community fund. Our goal is to do it by Easter Sunday. So I know we can do it. Um, what else, what else? We have a wind down coming up this uh, Wednesday. So on the 15th, we're doing a wind down, a hotels, brotels wind down. This is gonna be a space where we can get more dialogue going. Uh, folks can, uh, folks will talk about the interludes uh, during that conversation. The interludes get nice and add it in terms of like uh, really good content for conversation. So I'm looking forward to that coming up uh, this uh, coming up this Wednesday. So it'll be seven to eight p.m. and um, the um, uh, the link is on the website citypointcc.org um, for how you register for the wind down. All right. Uh, what else? What else? And then the next day, our community groups start. So we are reading Red Lip Theology for this session's community group. Uh, it's going to be three weeks. Uh, so uh, it's going to be uh, this Thursday, the 16th, Thursday, the 23rd. And then um, Thursday, March 2nd will be the final one. And we've got a special guest for this first one this coming Thursday. The author of the book, Candice Marie Bimbo, will be with us as our special guest. She'll be doing like an ask the author uh, type of thing. So I know some of you are really big fans of her work. And so this is a fantastic time to be able to connect and, um, and ask questions. And we've always been like a hospitable place um, for Candace for many, many years, going back almost a decade. So it'll be great to be able to have her back. So if you have not um, registered yet for um, community groups, make sure that you go ahead and register for community groups. Uh, information is in our um, in our uh, bio on our social media channels, also on the website as well. And um, they will uh, go ahead and order the book now. And when you register, you'll get a follow up with like what's the assigned reading for um, this week. So there will be some assigned reading for week one. But the goal is to kind of make the reading less heavy. Um, because I know I, I can be really heavy, um, but we, we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. Uh, Patty and uh, Queen are going to be co-facilitating the community group this go around. All right. Um, and then we've got a new service schedule that I announced last Sunday. So we are now going to be worshiping twice a month. So taking in the feedback that came from both the town hall as well as the surveys that we put out. Thank you guys so much for your feedback and for functioning just democratically with all of this. So um, the sweet spot feels like two Sundays a month. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, we'll start in March. So for February, we're just going to keep on like we've been doing just first Sunday, the rest of the month online. But for March, we will be in church uh, first and third Sunday. In April and May, because of how Easter and Mother's Day fall, instead of doing first and third, we're going to do first and second Sunday um, for those months. 
but then June will be on our regular first and third Sunday schedule. Um, third Sunday is Father's Day, and so that works out. Um, at this time, I'm only announcing our schedule up to that point because, just to be honest, I want to see how this twice a month thing goes. If we support it through volunteerism and through people actually showing up, and I'm not saying if like online is your way that all of a sudden you got to start coming to church, but if you're one of them people, one of the main people, one of the 65% of survey respondents that um, want a church uh, that prefers to have church in person rather than online, I need y'all 65% to be there twice a month. Um, so we'll see how it goes through June. And then at the end of June, I think it's fair that we um, pause and um, just kind of look at how things are going. If it's going well, let's keep it going. If it's not, then I think we need to have a conversation. So that's how we're going to move forward. All right. And then first Sunday in June, also, we're going to do a baby dedication. And so uh, DM me or shoot me an email if you are interested in having your child dedicated. We're looking to do a mass baby dedication on that day because we've got a lot of pandemic babies uh, that need to get dedicated. So uh, hit me up, ddavis at citypointcc.org, and we can talk more about that. And then lastly, the annual reports are out. So they are on the website. Um, here's a QR code that you can use to be linked to it on the website. Or you can just go the old fashioned way, go to citypointcc.org, go to the giving page, and there is an annual report um, like selection in the drop down when you go to giving. And you'll get a page with all of our annual reports from the last like five years, including uh, including uh, the year that just passed, 2022. So go check that out. Good stuff to report. Really solid 2022. Um, we corrected a lot of the challenges we had in 2021. Uh, we were able to get our net operating income back into the black. So we were 72,000 in the black uh, last year. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's because of you that we were able to do that. Um, and um I don't know if we will be in a black as much this year because uh, some of us being in a black was because we just had less staff and I feel that in my body and I cannot feel that anymore. So we are bringing on more help, both volunteer and otherwise, but we still plan to be good stewards and still plan uh, to um, to finish the year with a surplus. All right. So those are my announcements for the day. Thank you guys so much who have been promoting the series. It's different. You know what I'm saying? It's not me like reading the scripture and then preaching about that scripture. It's pushing us to think critically and also to dialogue. Um, and it's also giving visibility to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like recognizing that everybody's at, at a different place as it relates to their relationships and their sexuality and things like that. Um, and so we're recognizing that and we are um, trying to ensure that we uh, engage in healthy dialogue no matter where people are, right? So, um, so yeah, so I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Please continue to share and any questions, thoughts, feedback, feel free to reach out to me. I love to chat. All right. So that's it. I'll see y'all Wednesday at the wind down, log in on time and bring your glass. And we're going to have a good hour long discussion. That's from seven to 8 PM central time. And then community groups on Thursday from seven to 8 PM central time. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for all that we experienced. I pray your blessings over us. I pray your peace over us. Please keep us as we move about throughout the um, throughout wherever we live. 
pray that you will guard us. It's in it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. All right, y'all. That is it for today. Um, go enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy it responsibly and be safe. Until next time, I love y'all. Peace.